Good morning. It's so good to be with you via video. And I'm, I'm glad we can continue in Ephesians. I really wanted to do that. And I hope that you're praying for us. Uh, I would like to uh, message each one of you and keep in touch. And if you're here for the first time this morning, then I want to thank you for coming because uh, it gives us an opportunity to get to know you and to serve you. Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you're going to speak to us. Thank you that you understand the language in which we learn. Thank you for the fact that uh, the word of God is in our hands and we never need to uh, stumble through life not knowing your good pleasure for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're in part five of the book of Ephesians and uh, we want to look at the three most beautiful verses in scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, 9 and 10. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8, 9 and 10. But I want to back up a little bit just to get to the background and kind of pick up a running pace from last week. If you didn't get that, I'd WhatsApp it to you. You can listen to it again. So returning to verse 6 and 7, let's read that together. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Then you get verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I've been teaching, we've been going through these beautiful chapters, and we've been talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been talking about the power that has raised Christ from the dead. Paul is going to try and explain to us that the power that raised Christ from the dead also raises us from the dead from the death that we died because of sin. But not only that, our works were also dead because we were dead to God. So don't, don't, don't miss that. That's what we're moving towards. In fact, the rest of Ephesians is about that. So we were dead in terms of our position with God. We were also dead in terms of our performance towards God, our works. So as in Christ, we have been raised from death. Now, even our works need to be made alive. Did you get that? Even our works need to be made alive. The works that we do, the things that we live by, the things that we live for, they need to be alive to God, about God, for God, by God's strength, in God's power, for eternal purposes. We need to move from living for ourselves to living for God. Not just about God himself, but about the things God is about about the things God is for, against the things God is against. Are you with me? So we were dead, Christ died, Christ rose again, and in Christ we were raised. I want us to understand that because until we have dealt with position and we're absolutely sure about position, there's no point talking about performance because you'll always struggle with guilt then. You'll always struggle with trying to do things in your own strength. So the whole concept, the point of the matter is that there is a power available to you the power that raised Christ, the power that raised you is now at work in you on a daily basis to do the things that God wants you to do. 
So that's why I want to go back to verse 6 and 7 and look in your Bibles with me to those two verses. God raised us up with Christ, seated us, circle with him, with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So you have a with him and then he says in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of Christ expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. So you have with Christ and you have an in Christ. And I want us to understand the difference between the two. There are... Uh, the with Christ is repeated twice. The in Christ is once, but however, it's been repeated several times over since chapter 1, verse 1. So before we explore the coming alive of the believer, before we, uh, we talk about all of that, we need to absolutely be sure about the position and promotion of Christ. So let's look at with Christ. With Christ. With Christ refers to a shared access. A shared access we have to the throne of God. So we have been raised with Christ and we have been seated on the right hand of God with Christ. So the right hand of God has to do with the authority of God, the sonship of God, the, the rights of his work and his purposes. So Christ at his right hand is ensuring that his will is being done and we are now being placed with Christ uh, Next to the right hand, on the right hand of God, next to God. So when you understand that, you begin to see that God has not only placed us in Christ for a purpose, but he's also placed us with Christ. It refers to shared access to the throne of God. So as Christ is seated at the right hand of God, God has also chosen, God has chosen to allow us to share Christ's authority over nature, share Christ's authority and access to God. Jesus now rules from heaven and Jesus has access to God. He has direct access to God. So with Christ, we also have dominance over creation in Christ. And number two, we have access to God. That should revolutionize our, our understanding. But I want to understand, I want you to understand the with Christ thing. Why? Why are we with Christ? Because we have been adopted as sons. Jesus is the son of God. And as you are with Christ, you have been positioned along with him as a son as a son of God. Now if we are children, Romans chapter 8 verse 17 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. If we are heirs, we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we should also share in his glory. So you are with Christ, having full access to God, having access to the throne of God and understanding in the purposes of God. Now move with me to in Christ. In Christ refers to the ark project. The ark project. Do you remember Jonah's ark? No, it wasn't Jonah. It was Noah. Do you remember Noah's ark? Noah built an ark. Noah preached for years and years that the flood was coming. Noah said that judgment is coming. God is angry. God is filled with wrath towards the filthiness, the wickedness of the world. He is about to destroy the world. If you get in the ark, you will be saved. So the ark is what we call a type or a picture of Christ. So Jesus or being in Christ is the ark project where if you come into Christ as the judgment of God comes pouring down, as the wrath of God comes pouring down, you are shielded against that. So this is how sinners are placed in Christ while God poured out his judgment on Christ. He shields sinners from the wrath of God and saves them. Hence, we talk about being in Christ. Salvation is in Christ. Salvation is in Christ. As he said about Noah, we were saved through the flood. We're saved through the flood. So 
We got that right. We've settled with our position. Our position is, is in Christ. We have been raised with Christ. We have access to God. So that's done. You are, now, you are now a son of God. All of you, men, women, all of you, you are sons of God, which means you have authority in Christ because you're heirs along with Christ. Once that is settled and you understand eternal security, you understand that you are sure you are secure in Christ. Now let's talk about you and me today, 2016, our lives, our works, our behavior. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith, not of yourselves. He's going to make a big scene about this. So you got salvation and you got sanctification. Sorry for your case, salvation and you got sanctification. Now salvation wasn't by your works. And neither is sanctification going to be. Salvation wasn't for your, by your works and neither is sanctification going to be. Salvation wasn't by your power and neither is sanctification going to be. So you don't start with God's power and end up with yours. You start with God's power and you continue with the work, the thing that you did to start it, which is faith. And you continue in faith to let God make sure you are carried through. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It is a gift from God. Every day, the power that God gives you to live, every day, the revelation of his worth, his will, his pleasure is a gift from God. Every day, the proximity to God, the intimacy with God is a gift from God. Every day, his heart to you is a gift to you. It is the gift of God. So we are carried through, shielded, encased, covered, protected through the judgment as God dealt with our sins on the cross. And he gave us a coverage of grace. It is by grace you have been saved. Let's meditate on that for just a minute. Let's meditate on that for just a minute. Grace was decreed by God when God wrote the covenant. When did he write the covenant? Years ago. Years ago, before the foundations of the earth, God decided in his heart to love you with an everlasting love. What does that mean? He made a one-way unconditional promise to Abraham. And he wrote a covenant and he signed it with his blood with Christ's blood. And what he did was, he says, let's make a covenant. If you violate this covenant, I will pay for it. If I will violate this covenant, I will pay for it. I will never violate this covenant. I am God. You will most probably violate this covenant, in which case I will cover you by grace. So the grace covering has been extended to you and me long before we even agreed to a covenant. Grace was decreed, grace was decreed that God would himself pay the price and shield us from our sin. You all along felt that God was counting your sin. But the fact is that God is covering your sin. All along, from the beginning, God made a pact with his people. When you violate the covenant between us, I will cover you with grace. And if ever a time comes where that has to be paid for, I will pay for it. That my brothers and sisters, my friends, is how God loves you. That is how God loves you. From there, I want us to move towards regeneration. We want to talk about regeneration. It's a big word, but you must know it. If you're a believer, you must know it. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you must know that the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is not just to encourage you and inspire you every day, but to change you to become more and more like Jesus. 
So this now moves us forward to understanding how God resurrects us in Christ. How does he resurrect our actions? He's resurrected us from a position of death to a position of life. Now how does he resurrect us from positions or works of performance of death, works of death to works of righteousness? That's what we're going to talk about, verse 6, verse 7 and verse 8. We were dead in our sins. Sins, that's actions. Now we are being raised in his righteousness. That's his actions. That's his actions. So our actions killed us, sent us away from God. His actions through us are going to bring us closer to us. All of us lived once upon a time the same way. Paul says in verse 3, if you go back to verse 3, he says, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. Gratifying the, the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. What is the cravings of our flesh? Those are our addictions. So we're talking about works, works that led to death. The works that we, that we did that led us to death was our addictions and our appetite. Our addictions and our appetite. So those two things he's going to raise from the dead. He's going to make it alive to God so that we are not addicted. He's going to give us power over addictions and he's going to give us a fresh appetite. A new appetite. Appetite for the things of God. That's what he's going to do. And he says, but because of the great love God has for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Made us alive. So I want us to understand how he is doing this and why and, 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 and how important it is for you to be involved in ministry. Why it's so important for you to understand that you are called to serve God. Why it's so important for you to understand that you cannot just have a job and have a house in a car and be happy with the life that you have. You have to move beyond that because God who raised Jesus from the dead has raised you from the dead. That's your position. But he is now raising your actions to give you a life and a purpose that is eternal. Look at, look at what he says. Verse 8, 9 and 10. By his kindness towards us, he showed us this grace. It is by grace, the grace enabling, the empowerment that comes from grace that you have been saved through faith, not of your strength, not of your works, so that no one could boast. God is the one who's doing this. Then he says, for we are God's, look at it, verse 10. We are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. Some, some uh, uh, versions say masterpiece. Some versions say masterpiece. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There you go. There you go. So at the end of the day, you have not just been positioned so that you are free, so that you are forgiven, but you've been positioned for a performance. You've been positioned so that out of that position, out of that aliveness, out of that proximity to Christ, out of that access to God, out of the knowledge and revelation of what God's will is, out of the perspective of from heaven to earth, out of your clear understanding of how God is working in the lives of men, how God is working through the church, you can have a life with a purpose and a ministry that shows the living work and power of God. That shows the living work and power of God. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. We were created in Adam. Now we are being created in Christ Jesus. Why have we been created in Christ Jesus afresh? To do good works. Now we are not talking about helping old ladies cross the street. That's not the good works we are talking about. We're not talking about helping the poor and the needy. Those are things that the body of Christ must do anyway. The good works God is talking about is how God is good. When God is good, whatever he does is good. So the good works he's talking about is godly works. Godly works. God's work. God's work in you. 
So he says to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. The, work, the word work is in plural, works. So like sins was plural, works is plural. So like you did many actions that were wrong that led to death, you will do many actions that are righteous that leads to life. Who's going to do that? Not by your strength, not by your wisdom, not by your own. God is going to do that in you. So you were created in Christ and God is wanting to do something powerful in you. What activates this? What makes it happen? What uh, activates God's work in your life? The purposes of God in your life? The relationships of God in your life? What makes your life about God? Centered around Christ? Centered around the things and purposes of God? Your faith. Your faith. So it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast. So even in your lifestyle, it's your faith that puts you on a, on, on, in a position or in a, in, a, in a direction where God's work and God's power takes you forward. What are you thinking about right now? What's going through your mind? You've been saved. You've been forgiven. You've been positioned in Christ, right next to God. Why? Why? So that you may show forth the wisdom and the grace of God in your life. So the works that you do, the life that you live, the things that you are about, the relationships in your life, the way you carry forward, the way you make decisions, the way you prioritize, the things that govern your life would show people the, the wonderful grace of God. That is what you should be praying about. That is what you should be committed to. That God has taken care of everything and whatever he wants you to do, he gives you grace enabling. Grace enabling. I love that phrase. It's, 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 it's the supernatural enablement of God in the life of a believer. I can't do it. I can't do it. No, you can. You can. God can do it through you. What does he want you to do? Trust. He wants you to trust him. Trust him that he's got a better plan for you. Not a better career, but a better plan. A better purpose for your life. You were created to serve God's purposes. You were created to serve God's purpose. With every head bowed and every eye closed. What is your understanding of performance? Are you performing to please? Or are you performing to show forth the wonderful grace of God? Do your works need God's grace? Or are your works by God's grace? All of it begins and ends with your faith. How's your faith doing this morning? How much are you committed to building it, strengthening it? You, my friends, my brothers and sisters, were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. He's leading. He's guiding. He will show you. He will tell you. May the Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week with him. How much is that?